coming out, but man, I'm excited today. Can I share a prophetic word with you first? I feel like I just want to come out with the six shooters right away. I'm ready. Come shooting today. But I really felt like I was praying last night. God gave me this word for some of you today. Kind of similar to what Jordan and Annie were sharing today. God says this, because you decided to lay down an Ishmael season, not a promise of God. Guess what? An Isaac season is on its way. I feel that for some of you today. You know the story in the Old Testament of Sarah and Abraham trying to have a kid. Abraham was promised that you're going to have a child. And then right after that, it's crazy. God gives us covenant. I think I spoke on it last week. And then right after, guess what? Sarah gets impatient. He goes, Abraham, we need to kind of push. We need to move God's hand. And guess what? We never need to move God's hand. God's faithful to accomplish what he said he would do. Amen. So what happens is, guess what? Uh, Abraham was given to uh, Sarah's maidservant, and then they had an illegitimate child named Ishmael. And I feel like, man, there's a lot of Ishmael. I feel it. There's a lot of Ishmaels in this land that people have good, uh, real calls of God, but because they've gone about it in an unhealthy way, Ishmaels are born. So I want to encourage you, are you willing to lay down your Ishmael season right now? Come on, somebody. I believe in Isaac 1 is on its way. I believe that's what the Lord's saying. But man, we're kicking off a brand new, who's ready for a new series today? New series? Kicking off a new series, As It Is In Heaven. As It Is In Heaven. I'm going to talk about this a lot for the next four weeks as we kind of ramp up towards Easter. This is really my conviction and my unction, if you want to call it that, is I believe a lot of people are waiting to get to heaven, but don't ever realize as the believer that we can get some of that heaven here on earth. I believe that through this series, a few things are going to happen. I believe we're going to, it's going to put us in the pages of Scripture. Well, one of the things I love and hearing the stories that New Wave has said, man, when we step back, you actually believe the Bible. You actually believe not just what you read intellectually, but actually you've, you fashion your life around it. We do. And we believe as we go into this, uh, this series, you're going to see the pages of Scripture come alive. I see you also getting put into the larger conversation. Have you, gotten, have you ever come into the middle of a conversation? We see kids do that all the time, right? It's like mom and dad are talking, they step in, and then they get, they just get that first couple of phrases, they're like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You didn't get the beginning of the conversation. You're in the wrong, you see what I mean? Here's what happens a lot of times in Christianity is we don't understand the larger narrative, okay, of the Bible, and so we kind of pull out these little glimpses of Scripture, but we're not able to get put into the larger conversation. Can I get an amen? I believe that's going to happen. I believe that's going to happen during this series. And then I love this one. I feel for some of us, it's going to put us back into the will of God. Can I talk about two wills today? Two wills, two wills. One is the permissible will of God. Read the permissible. That means God's like not going to stop it, but he'll allow it. Have you ever had those seasons? I mean, we had one in 2006. It was, it was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't God's goodness. So we walked in that, guess what? God allowed it for our bettering, but guess what? It wasn't God's perfect will. What's amazing about the Bible is it's an instruction manual, if you want to look at it in those terms, that allows us how to live in the perfect will of God. I believe as we understand this idea of heaven to earth, we're going to be walking again in the perfect will of God. And I believe many Christians are, are consumed with sin management. Man, I feel so bad for these believers. Is that the freedom that Jesus came to, deliver, to give them is that they're actually living in bondage. And so what do they do? They're, they're, here's their life. It's all about sin management. It's like, it's like people that have been in recovery. And can I tell you, if you need to be in recovery, get into recovery. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's the ones that think, no, I don't need, a, I don't need, I don't need nothing in my life. Guess what? You're the ones that are set up for failure. I just want to encourage you with that. Man, you need recovery, get into recovery. But it's crazy when you build your life around recovery. It's like, what are we doing? All we're doing is living at the foot of the cross, but we're never living on the outside of the grave. 
Christians, God, can I tell you, we're called to live outside the resurrection, not continue to put ourselves, see Jesus on the cross every day. That's the elementary principles of the gospel. But what happens is when we live in sin management, always trying to better ourselves, bettering ourselves, barely making it, how was your week? Man, we just barely survived. Oh, we just barely made it to church, dear, dear the Lord. I was like, really? Is that what Jesus died to give us? I'm not saying there's no problems like that, but I'm just telling you, there's a different lifestyle, a different desire that God desires his people to live. And if we want to break out of that, here's one thing, we got to get on the right script. Amen? So if you got your Bibles, we're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6. Who says we're there? Who says they're there right now? Come on. Remember that in youth group? We call them sword fights. Anyone there in Matthew 6? Wow, you guys are quick. You guys looked it up on your phones, didn't you? Or your tabs. You brought one of those Bibles with tabs in it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, and when you pray, talk about prayer, you must not be like the hypocrites. Here's what hypocrites do. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be what? It's not prayer, it's to be seen. To be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse six, but when you pray, here's what we should do. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Is that amazing? God knows where you are. You don't need to try to get in light. You don't need to try to come out of wherever you're at. Guess what? God can find you where you're at. It says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. I love it. As the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And here's kind of the crux of this series. Pray then like this. Okay, like this, like this. Okay, not pray this, but pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, this isn't just redundance. Your kingdom come, your will be done, here it is, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will you for, for your father will forgive your trespasses. Okay, there's the word of the Lord. If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is called Bring It Down. Bring it down. Okay, I want to share, I'm going to kind of share a story, then we'll get into the message. It's amazing the cultural differences I've found since I moved to Michigan. Can you guys bear with me? Can you guys have fun with me for a couple years? As I use these stories of being about a Californian, coming out to being a Michigander. Here's some cultural difference I found about Michigan. Can I give you about nine of them? Um, here's, here's one of them. You guys know, you guys are with me? Um, you take your slippers everywhere. I mean, it's just, and you know what's cool? No shame. You know, so, so what I got for Christmas, I got some slippers. You know, I saw those things, and guess what? Three months out when I saw the slippers, I was like, yeah, love these things. Taking them over to Thanksgiving, everyone's rolling in with their slippers. Never seen that before until I moved to Michigan. Take your slippers everywhere. How about this one? Garages are cool and appropriate places to hang out. <laughs> totally fine. You're driving down the street, garages in California, people drive into those things as fast as you can because you don't want to talk to anybody. In Michigan, that's not the way. 
In the summer times, garages are open. You got the right, the man cave in there. You got the, got the big screen out there. Every, everyone eat, um, eat nachos. You got, you know, sister whoever, aunt whoever there. You know, the crazy uncles in that room. But guess what? Garages are great places to hang out. How about this one? I never, this term, asking for a pop. Asking for a pop isn't asking someone to punch you in the face. Michigan, guess what? Can I have a pop? Can I have a pop? Can I have a pop? Guess what? It doesn't mean you're going to ask for a punch in the face. How about this one? A Michigan left. If there's anything that wanted to make me go back to California, it's a Michigan left. It's not the people. It's not the winner. It's a stick in Michigan left. Here's, here's a Michigan left. It's basically a U-turn. Okay, but with this U-turn, is you're praying that no one kills you. You know what I mean? And I try to teach my daughter to drive. You know, she's, bless my daughter. She could have got her license about a year ago. But Michigan does it different. Guess what? You got to be in class. You got to pay the piper, buddy. You got to give gold teeth, Rolexes to make sure. Guess what? You can pay for your driving class. So she's finished up. But man, seeing her in, in, in Michigan is so funny. Where'd that, I'm freaked out. Where'd that U-turn? She's there. She's been driving for a while. And then I see like on Lapeer Road, like 50,000 cars coming down. No one cares. They're driving 85 miles an hour down there. No apologies. Then my daughter's there. And you know, you can just feel that. You don't hesitate there. Hesitate there is basically, guess what, a death penalty. So guess what? She pulls out on that road. And it's like, you know, it's like in a Tesla. If she hits the gas, like boom, you snap your head back there. He's like, oh my gosh, and the car comes up on you. No, no shame, you know, they're driving fast, but that's basically what a U-turn is. How about this up north? Here's the thing about up north. Where does it stink and start, people? We went up north, well, where is that? My up north for me was, um, what was that place called? A Frankenmuth. My wife didn't let me pass Frankenmuth. I still have not. I basically, that's as far north as I've been. So I've heard of this promised land that the Michigan people float up to. They just kind of vanish off. Where'd you go? Up north. Oh, I said, oh, I've been there too. They said, well, where'd you go? I said, I went to Frankenstein. And they're like, you haven't been up north. But up north is different for everybody. Just ask them. Little things I'm picking up. How about the Mighty Mac? Mighty Mac. Okay, the Mighty Mac. What's that? This is what I learned about it. It's not something you order at a restaurant. The Mighty Max a bridge. That's what I found out. It's not something you, owner, you order at Coney Island. How about this one? Just realize this, Fat Tuesday. It's taken seriously in Michigan. I've heard of 4th of July. I've heard of, I mean, like Christmas. I've heard of Easter. Fat Tuesday. People are bringing donuts to our house. That's what happened. Fat Tuesday's a real deal here. How about bowling alleys? What I learned about bowling alleys, COVID, they're called essential businesses. That's what I learned about bowling alleys. Everyone's hanging out there. If you want to have a family reunion, guess what? You go to the bowling alley. Birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, guess where you have those things at? The bowling alley. They're essential. What's wild, too, kind of, I'm getting into my message, okay, for the ones that are religious in the room. I'm getting the message. It's wild, too. One of the things that I know you need, it, need in Michigan is extra storage. Okay, something we've learned. It speaks, what I've learned too about living on our street, which I'll talk about our miracle house in a second, you, on that street is that people have more blow up, like, like Christmas ornaments than I've ever seen in my life. It's like everyone got together and said, hey, you know what we should do? 
Let's go out to Home Depot and give that thing a cardiac arrest and purchase everything in the building. Let's go ahead and put it out in our yard. No shame at all. So what happens, this is the thing I think about. This is, sorry guys, welcome to my world. I'm driving, you know, driving down the road and thinking, where the heck does everyone stick this stuff? Because here's what I know, new thing, you guys with me? Before Christmas, is I found this. I'd never seen a blow up turkey before <laughs> until I moved to Michigan. Before Christmas, what happened? You blow up your inflatable turkey. I didn't know you could do that. So I'm always thinking, man, where do you put in that stuff? We need, we need extra storage. Another thing, birthday parties, backyard, backyard events. Um, what's that thing called? A cornhole. Where is everybody sticking that stuff? And one of the things I found my, myself uh, in our house, we say a lot, is, hey, would you bring that down? Hey, would you bring that down? It's because what happens in Michigan, again, as a Michiganer, I'm becoming one, is as that stuff's stored away, guess what happens? You need to bring stuff down all the time. In our house, it's bring it up. But in a lot of our houses, it's bring it down. I was kind of thinking about this message, kind of that phrase, bring it down. And as I was praying, I pray a lot. I don't hear voices, I hear a voice. As I was praying, I believe Christians kind of fall into two camps on this idea of heaven. Here's the first one, heaven waiters. They're heaven waiters. They see heaven as a destination, but not something that determines how they live today. The heaven waiters, heaven waiters. But then I've heard of these other people. I think they're on New Wave Church. They're called heaven bringers. Come on, somebody, who's a heaven bringer in this room? Heaven bringers, here's what they are. They live believing that heaven isn't just a destination, but a reality, a reality, a reality that is supposed to be brought down here right now. Come on, somebody. Here's what I wanna preach to you today is this idea, my big idea. What's heaven's reality can be earth's reality. What's heaven's reality can be earth's reality. You study this theme all across the scriptures. Jacob's ladder. What was that? It's seeing the angels ascending and descending on Jacob. You see this story. Of course, going, uh, you know, that's forecasting Jesus Christ in the New Testament. You're seeing this. In Isaiah 64, it talks about, oh God, would you rend the heavens? What does rend the heavens mean? Tear them open. Why tear them open? So everything up there can get down here. I'm just gonna tell you, when you see the supernatural take place, that's a touch of heaven down here. And I believe a lot of people, like I said, there's, there's two difference. It's the heaven waiters, going, man, I can't, get, can't wait to get there, or the heaven bringers saying, guess what, we could get some of that here right now. That's why at New Wave, we pray big prayers. We believe in the supernatural. We walk in authority because we believe that heaven, come on, heaven is supposed to be brought down right here. Why we believe for healing is because that's a heaven thing. Why we believe marriages can be restored because that's a supernatural thing because that's a heaven thing. Why do we believe that, that prodigals can come home? Because that's a miracle because that's a heaven thing. Come on, somebody. But here's what I think. I'm gonna give you three ideas today. I'm gonna preach for about four hours today. Just kidding. But heaven's brought here through, through three things, through three things. And as, as we study this scripture, we're gonna be doing it for the next, or th this idea for four weeks. I'm just gonna tell you this. I believe, I just feel it. Your life is gonna be completely radically changed. For many of you, your life is gonna be so radically interrupted. It's because when you wanna watch your Netflix show, you're like, man, I just can't waste my time watching this because I could be spending my time right now on my knees praying for some of that little heaven to get down here on earth. But here's how we do that. How is heaven brought down here? Well, it's firstly brought through passion. Passion. It's why I love teenagers. I love teenagers. I got three of them. Please pray for us. Got more coming. I got two more down the, down the pipe. I love teenagers. It's why I feel bad for, for teenagers because I think they get a rap, bad rap. Love our teenagers. Right, we got some, some teenagers in the front row over there. 
Right, teams get bad rap. They're considered lazy, unresponsive, and unrespectable, right? But know what's wild about teenagers? It's crazy, they get a bad rap. Because once you begin to show them something that they wanna do, what happens? Passion, passion overtakes them. They have an unction to get out of bed. They will get up, I have a child that would get up at five in the morning to go play some baseball. Why? Because it's something that is important to him. Now I just wanna encourage you, we're gonna get into this verse in a second. For us as the people of God, okay, is that heaven itself is engaged, okay? Heaven is something that is forced in. Heaven is something in which we press into. Look at look what Matthew 11, verse, uh, Matthew 11, verses 11 through 12 says this, talking about this idea of heaven. Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he was carrying the message. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's a great, great calling. No one greater. Yet, the one who was least in what? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Meaning this, you come in, you're birthed into that new kingdom. Even John the Baptist on his best day, guess what? You're greater than he is. Verse 12, here's our passage. From the days, from the days of John the Baptist. Hasn't changed. Until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. It suffered violence. It suffered persecution. It suffered accusations. It served what? All of these things. But here's what happens to it. It suffered violence and it's the violent. It's the passionate, translations say. It's the violent that take it by force. I just wanna encourage you with that today. The idea for us to be able to access what heaven has to offer is not gonna be a casual experience. How do I know that? You kind of bring it in my world this week. My wife and I were praying like crazy this week. There are certain weeks we pray all the time, but there's certain weeks that it's like something is being pressed in on us. And usually the reason is because God's about ready to do a breakthrough. Always. It's like, man, coming Sundays, I'm excited to be with you guys. But man, you know, but during the week, it's a crazy what we're, what we're pressing up against. And what happens is with the people of God is if it's just a casual, kind of just like, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. You know, I'll kind of check in with them when I need forgiveness, but there's no relationship. Guess what? There's no access to the things in which heaven has to offer. Look what the Amplified Version says. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault and violent men. Oh, I love it. It's violence. It's, 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 it's has the idea of chaos coming towards it, but it's the violent, it's the passionate man that sees it by force as this, as a precious prize. You study this idea of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, interchangeable. They say stuff like this, man, when the kingdom of God is in a field, it's so valuable that you're willing to sell everything to collect the funds to buy that field. It's the kingdom of heaven. Because here's the thing I believe, that heaven is not accessed by accident. When studying scripture, you will see people fight giants, stand up to kings, thrown in lion's dens. 2024, y'all, you know what things are set up for? We need a people of God that understand the pages of scripture. Thrown in lion's den, charged the enemy with 300, left homes and families, walked deserts and mountains, housed spies because they believe heaven could be brought down here. Come on, somebody. Gosh, and I feel like, man, just rising up. You can feel that. Why are we passionate at New Wave Church? Because we know when I go get my New Wave coffee and I'm just sitting in the back sipping my latte, right? I think it's no big deal. Is that we're missing out on this idea that we gotta force ourselves. There's access, but there's a forcing into the kingdom of heaven. So how do you, how do you live like that? How do you live like that? So people say that, man, I want that, I love that. 
I'm an introvert. No, that's what you labeled yourself. Can I tell you, you can still be passionate and you don't have to be an extrovert. But there's a hunger in your spirit. Do I feel, you feel that today? There's a hunger. There's a violence. There's a tenacity. What what does that look like? Your kids don't want to get to bed. Uh, So go go to bed. Guess what? You put them to bed. They don't want to go to church. Go, guess what? For the next 18 years, I'm sorry. You're going to get your butt out of bed and get to church. Why? Because that's a violent type spirit. We love them, but guess what? They're going to thank you. Uh, they're going to thank you later for the, the sacrifices that you made today. So how do you live like that? Here's the thing. How do you, is, here's, here's a couple of things. Choose what you love most. How do you become passionate like that? Have a violence, have a tenacity like that. You choose what you love most. Here's a couple. People's approval over heaven's applause. Welcome. Welcome to planning a church. It's crazy the stuff that people threw out. Of, you don't even know me. You don't know our church. Even Christians, man, they're the ugliest. It's like, man, oh, I would really want to become a Christian because of you. You're mean. It's crazy you plant a new church. What happens of the heaven and the chaos and all that stuff going on? But there's got to be decisions. And I feel it's not just for pastoral ministry. It's you as the people of God in this hour. There's got to be a decision. I'm just telling you right now, it can be made today. Are you going to, here's the thing, get your applause from people or are you going to get applause from heaven? I want to stand one day before God and go, um, I'm so glad you're here. But man, can, you tell, can I just tell you, because the way you prayed here on earth, guess what? We're tired up here. The way you prayed, you pursued, guess what? You put us to work in the heavenly places because we believed. Here's the second thing, determining this, momentary gain or eternal satisfaction. Guys, we got 80 years, I'm sorry, not to be morbid, 80 years on our best right, of sucking oxygen here on earth. It is a vapor in the wind, the book the, uh, James says. It's a vapor in the wind. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And I feel like, especially in this hour right now, I'm just gonna tell you, you're gonna see this. The churches that are gonna grow and expand, see revival take place, see people healed, see people walk out of darkness, are going to be individuals that don't take the church lightly. I'm just gonna tell you this right now. Churches that you're gonna see that are like, hey, here's the message of the weekend. Seven ways to be a nice person. Guess what? They're gonna be closed. Why? Because there's gonna be an hour that you have to decide who you believe and who you follow. Do we follow Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and enter in, I'm just telling you, you study the Bible, enter into the blessing of what he uh, engaged in and he he embraced? Or are we gonna kind of think that that's outsourced to somebody else? Are we about momentary gain or eternal satisfaction? How about this? Is it this life or this afterlife? Those are decisions we gotta make. So I encourage you that. There's no, there's no to me, I don't know what it is. Um, it's just black and white to me. You either saved and you follow Jesus or you're not. And I used to think this, you know, like when I got saved, I just, I kind of raised my hand in response and there is an inner, inward working. But the more that I've seen it, how do we know that someone's really saved? Is by the way in which they live their life. Because it's crazy, like people say, I've been following Jesus 20 years. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, but you look exactly, exactly the same when Jesus found you 15 years ago. What's the difference? Now we are works, here's the thing, just wanna make sure I'm clear, works don't get us to heaven. Can I just say that right now? But I'm just gonna tell you this, when the new birth takes place, it functions now with a different activity, amen? As well, sometimes what we do with our, with our faith is it's, it's like we love Jesus, we're married to him, but we hide our spouse. Think about it in this vernacular. This is how Christians live. Would you imagine I'm madly in love with my wife, which I am, 
And imagine that said, hey, um, everybody, um, you guys can come to my house. Say, hey, honey, could you, hey, could you stay in the bedroom? <laughs> Sweetheart, we're, we're having guests over today. Could you go hang out in the master bedroom today? Okay, but I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you so much. Me and you, me and you, I love you, I love you. Slam the door. Hey guys, hey, welcome. Hey, it's so good to have you guys here today. You guys ready to eat some Coney Island? You guys ready to go in town with some White Castle? You guys ready? So I mean, that's what we do in our faith, is we put Jesus in the master bedroom and shut the door and go, I love you. Thank you for doing all this for me. But see what I mean? Is that the idea, and I'm just telling you this, it's a passionate that, guess what? I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'll stand up on the hill, shout out to the world. Guess what? I know how to tell another beggar how to find some bread. Can I get an amen in the house? It's time for the church to rise. It's time for us to live in our best hour. It's time for us to be passionate about these. I'm sorry if you never heard preaching like this before. I feel like this, if we could get some more hell, come on, preach from the pulpit, we'll have some less hell from the seats. Man, that's what we need today. And God loves you, that's great. That's a great start. He does love you. And it's his love that motivates us. I get that. But I'm just gonna tell you this. He loves you enough, loves you too much to keep you playing in the streets. Gosh, man. Number two, understand there will be confusion for passionate people. Passionate people, they get, they get, they get a bad rap. Here's why, just, just to kind of encourage you with passion, there's confusion. There's confusion with being passionate. Here's what will happen to you. Confidence will be confused with arrogance. Feel me? Confidence will be confused with arrogance. Uh, study uh, this, the life of David. David and Goliath, great story, right? Tell every young kid that at the very beginning, and they'll give their life to Jesus. Such a powerful passage, powerful story. But if you know the story, um, right, Goliath shows up, the uh, Israelites and the Philistines are waging war, and uh, David's father, right, Jesse says, hey, David, um, leave the field, Go ahead and take some grain and some cheese. Come on, someone. David was the first pizza delivery boy. Come on, it's right there in the scriptures. He takes it to him, and he hears the mockery of a giant. And David's, David's thrown back because David's a bear slayer. David is a lion slayer. And he's seen the people of God, the peculiar people, Michigan, the peculiar people, lion killers, bear killers, right? That's who we are. He's seeing the people of God that are supposed to be that way, cowering under a giant. David rolls up, right, that little ruddy kid. Say, yeah, you know, just ruddy kid. Rolls up and goes, hey, what the heck's going on there? Who's the loudmouth giant that's nine feet tall mocking the people of God? He goes, what are you guys doing? And Eliab, Eliab, the, the oldest one, that even Samuel was blind and thought maybe this is supposed to be the next king of Israel. He says, uh, um, Eliab, uh, Eliab says to David, like, wait, chill out. You're just that prideful little arrogant punk kid. You settle down there. Can I just tell you what passionate people, when we're passionate people, it's the same accusations that could come towards us, is that confidence is confused with arrogance. Man, we need a confident people right now, no matter if people think of us as arrogant. Number two, we need some boldness. Boldness will be confused with pride. And a lot of times, why I share these things is because we're not willing to take that extra step because we don't want to be seen this way by others. Got to get a witness in the house. So we're like, man, I don't want to seem arrogant. I don't want to seem prideful. So I don't engage in this thing called uh, engaging heaven. Boldness will be confused with pride. How about this one? Passion will be confused. Oh, this is a big one right now with extremism. 
New Wave Church, you believe in the blood, you believe homosexuality is a sin, you believe transgenderism is a sin, I tell you, it's a sin that can be repented, okay? Churches like that, oh, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. Yeah, but it can be repented. I've had three girls in the college we were at walk out of homosexual lifestyles. But guess what, I preach this stuff today, guys, that guess what, the people of God, like finally someone's saying this stuff. I'm just telling you right now, guess what, that's an extremist. He's a hater. That church hates people. No, we love you so much. We love you so much. I said, like, like you're changing your sex. You're changing your sex. You're, you're, you're going through that. I'm just going to tell you this. It's like it's momentary, momentary satisfaction that's going to produce a long-term pain for your life. And we say that to people. And even studies right now I'm reading, articles that the brilliant minds, the brilliant minds are finally figuring that out. That people that have had sex changes, yes, I'm talking about that in church, that now are coming back going, oh my gosh, they're so regretting what they did, but they will never share those headlines. But it's been in the Bible for years. That marriage was supposed to be between a man and a woman for all times. You guys feel the fire of God coming up in you? You feel like you're getting fed right now, not eating Cheetos and Snickers bars? That is the word of the Lord. And the people of God, I'm just telling you right here, we're 24 weeks old, but I feel like we're making up for some lost time. Gosh, I'm fired up. Passion will be confused with extremism. We need some passion. You know what else we need? Y'all, we need this. Number two, we need some persistence. Persistence. We need some passion to engage heaven. We need some persistence. Um, some things that we pray a lot over couples here, people, families, Singles, it doesn't matter. We pray for people to have not just a, a house, but a home. My wife and I, we lived in Orange County. Can I tell you, has the, the most ugly million-dollar houses you've ever seen. Okay? I'm just telling you, you live like, like one-bedroom house down by, the, by, down by the ocean. Oh, that's about $2.5 And we knew for our family, big family, man, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if we could get a house here. So we did like what faith-filled people do. We prayed we prayed, it was prophesied over us, having roots in the ground, all this great stuff. We're believing for four years, four years. Is it amazing how God works? He knows what you need before you ask. He knows your heart's desires. He knows your longing, and guess what? They're real and they're right. We came to Michigan, I'll never forget. We showed up here, and I'm thinking this. We're gonna come to this state. We're gonna live a first year, kind of move around, kind of see where we wanna live. And uh, again, still this dream of owning a home was still there, but didn't even think about it then. It's amazing that when you're in God's plan and in his order, how he could change something overnight. I had one business meeting, the first meeting Aubrey and I ever had with somebody when we moved here. At Bread and Yolk, come on somebody. That's where the, that, you know the, the ladder, Jacob's ladder, ascending and descending? It falls right on Bread and Yolk, I'm just telling you. And sitting across from a business guy, kind of shared our heart, desire of seeing revival in our state. See, man, God's gonna do something special here. Just even didn't even talk that much. This individual we were sitting across, I'm just gonna tell you this because I wanted to build some faith in the room. Four years, four years of praying. God was always hearing our prayers. God was always answering our prayers. God was always true to what he was going to say. The only thing we didn't know is that God's faithfulness in one other season was gonna actually determine the faithfulness and, and his blessing here in this season. We're in, we're on the ground in October of 2022. Meet with this guy. It went from us this gentleman said, guess what? I believe in you guys. We're going to cover your whole family's rent. Come on, somebody. This is a miracle. For an entire year as you guys get yourself here. But I didn't stop there. As we were looking for our huge troop, 
our huge, right, our whole battalion, the Bristos, in our minivan rolling down the street. We're a big family. We're saying, hey, it's so weird. Um, the rental costs here are crazy. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, come on, we'll do an altar call for that. I feel it. But I remember going, gosh, it doesn't make sense. Like, how much the, it costs to rent the house. You know, I said, wonder if, this is crazy, it's a little early, wonder if we should just kind of crack open the door, crack open a door of maybe even owning a home. That's crazy. So we, guess what? We looked around, and through a, a relationship, my wife's friend looked up on, on Zillow. Anyone at Zillow? Right? Visit there a lot of times. And uh, saw this one house in this place called a Kittington area. I didn't know anything about Kittington, so I didn't know where I was. I knew bread and yolk, and that was it. Because that's a good place to eat, and descending and ascending. Angels, bread and yolk. And um, she sent us this Zillow ad, said, hey, um, there's this house that you should take a look at. And they said, hey, it's in Kittington. And she said this, why we sent it to you is because it has beach. It has beach in the, uh, the, the title of it. We looked at one house. That house sat in that neighborhood, which the, most of the houses last about eight days in that neighborhood. Eight days. It sat for a year and a half. It was being pickleballed back and forth between the, the person that lived in there and passed away and the bank. And then it, got, then, then it was sold. The bank owns it, and then the bank sells it to an investor. Guess what? It gets back down around. Found out later on when we ended up, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, found out that that house was actually the neighbors in that neighborhood, because they love that neighborhood so much, were trying to buy the house, but they couldn't connect with anybody. Is that crazy? Come on. The prayers of one area years ago that God was already taking the prayers of yesterday and bringing it into our right now. We just didn't know it yet. And so guess what happens? This business guy says this, hey, guess what? I understand that, that, that you're... Um, and, you know, we kind of went back to him and said, hey, you know, taking that rent money for a year, that could be a down payment on a house. So he goes, guess what? I believe that too. He ends up writing a check for $18,000. Weren't even on the ground barely and slipped it to us and said, guess what? You could use that as a down payment on your house because we believe in you. Why am I saying this kind of stuff? Why am I crazy like that? Because when you're in the will of God, when you're persistent in the thing of God, when you don't give up on God, guess what? You got, you, you're able to see the miracles in your life. And I feel like a lot of people right now, what takes place is what will happen is, guess what? God will give them a God dream. In this case, entering into heaven, accessing heaven. And what they do is they stop up short. And man, if I want to see a church right now, guys, hear my heart, a people of God to rise in this hour, to believe in God and be persistent, even when you're not seeing the fruit in that season. Can I get a witness today? That you're still staying persistent because it's the persistent people that access the things of God. Luke chapter 11, verses five through eight says this, that Jesus said to them, suppose, give me some context, give me some context. We just read the Lord's prayer in the book of Matthew. You read the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke. It's shorter and more condensed. And it will talk, I'll read it here in a second. But what's crazy about that is right after the Lord's Prayer, we read this. This is wild. Then Jesus said to him, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. Man, that's wild. That's tenacity, huh? That person coming over. 
I can't get up and give you anything. Verse eight. Why well, I want to kind of set this up to knock this out of the park? Because it has all the idea of prayer. This verse right here, after Lord's Prayer, one talking about the kingdom of God, is how are we going to enter it? How are we going to get that here? Is by persistence. Look what it says. Um, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I just want to encourage you with this today. Persistence isn't about knocking on a door. It's about annoying the homeowner. What if we prayed like that? Going back to one of my kids. My kids are great. I got five of them. And they got stories for days. One of my kids, he asked for something so many times, so many times, so many times, so many times. You know what I say back to my child? After I feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin and go ahead and throw myself in a U-turn. Do you know what I mean? You guys with me today? I said, uh, I said if you only prayed like you asked me. Friends, are you guys with me today? We need some persistent prayer in the church. We need some persistent families. We need some marriages that aren't given up. We need some people that are praying for their prodigals to come home. We need some persistence of not giving up. Why? Because here's what's amazing about the will of God. I'm going back in the will. Man, I wish I had a whiteboard here. There's the permissible and the perfect will of God. But can I just tell you that God will fulfill his plan? A hundred percent. But you know what I love about God's? Reality of asking for things. These people go like this, well, I'm not going to pray because God already has his mind made up. Does he? Abraham, you study him? Seven Sodom and Gomorrah? It sounded like he was changing God's mind. See, here's the thing. God was still going to accomplish his plan no matter what. But know what's wild? Imagine this is God's destination right here, okay? Is guess what? There's a lot more paths to his destination than just one. You guys with me today? That's the type of prayer that we should be praying is that God is so amazing that he could take three or four different ways still to accomplish his will. For people in the room right now saying, man, we're gonna stop praying because God always made up his mind up. No, guess what? He hasn't. He knows the, the end from the beginning. He knows all. He's the alpha and the omega. But he brings us into this tension in prayer that if we're persistent in the things of God, if we're annoying him, God, I'm just telling you this, there's nothing wrong with that. Is that God's willing to do what? Guess what? Give, that, give those people some bread. God's that good. Matthew 7, 7 says this all over scripture, New Living Translation, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be what? Open to you. Why we need persistence? God's got three things for you today. We are fighting a battle we don't see. We are fighting a battle we don't see. I preached on this, Daniel chapter 10. Is that what the angel of the Lord shows up to Daniel after in 21 days of fasting? He goes, guess what? I'm sorry. It's a spiritual warfare going on. Michael the archangel shows up to Daniel and said, man, uh, just sorry, I'm, I'm late. 21 days later, I, I know. But he's, I just want to let you know, I'm on my way. What is he saying? Your prayers, the answer to your prayers is on its way. But I want to tell you, the prince of Persia, which was a principality, was withholding me. See, a lot of times we don't understand what's going on in the heavenly places. I've heard, I've heard that one of the, a great quote, too, that if we understood what was going on in the heavenlies, when we were praying, the spiritual dimension, the things that's as real as this stage right now, but in, but in another dimension. If we saw what was going on as we're praying, if we saw what was going on when we're worshiping, if we saw what was going on when we're contending, guess what it says in that quote? We would never stop praying. You don't even know. 
It's crazy. I will just say this. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, and guess what? If that thing's not gonna happen, you know what's amazing about God? He'll change your heart in the matter. God's that good. Going back to my second idea here, why we need persistence, it purifies our motives. James says this, you ask, you ask, you ask, and you get not, because you ask with the wrong motives. People ask this all the time, how could the passages of scripture say this? What, we ask anything we want, and God just gives it to us? Not exactly, because the context is this. Oh my gosh, this is good. I'm blessing myself right now. I'm just telling you right now. is that when we spend time with God in his presence, when we get this in our, in our stomachs, when we're feeding ourselves on it, guess what happens? His desires become our desires. Which means this, this is amazing. When we line up with God and his desires, then we pray. And anything we pray, right? We believe by his word comes to pass. Come on, somebody. We're fighting a battle we don't see. It purifies our motives. And number three, I love this. I just felt this for our church specifically. Generational strongholds take force. Think about it for you, okay? We're gonna close service in a second, okay? I'll even have the keys come up, just to encourage you. That's basically a pastor saying I'm not quite done yet. That means I'm gonna go 25 more minutes at least. I'm just kidding. Um, When it comes to this idea of, of generational strongholds, Think about something that troubled your grandparents, your grandmother. Maybe even go back and go, you know, go down your family tree. It's amazing when you see these generational strongholds go into generations. So last night, it's funny how God works through your kids. I love my kids. I'll embarrass them until they get older. And then they'll, yeah, they'll be mad at me later. But I had a, my daughter up last night. My wife and I were actually kind of watching a, a, a teaching, kind of getting filled up. And my daughter's over there opening up her purple Bible. <laughs> this is awesome when your kids open up the scriptures. She sits on the couch, she's sitting over there, and she had what I call a truth encounter. We believe at New Wave Church power encounters. God's gonna show up, God's gonna heal bodies, God's gonna heal minds, because we believe that's up there, he could do that here, okay? That's, a, that's, a, that's what we call a power encounter. But she was having a truth encounter, which is just as dynamic. As you read the scriptures, it's something you didn't know. It's the illumination on the revelation given through inspiration. That's good, sorry, I just had fun with that. But she's reading it. She said, David, look what he did in the Bible. She's having her, her spiritual mind open. David, oh my gosh, like, he like, was with someone else other than his own wife, like just appalled, like disgusted. She's just flipping through scripture. My wife and I could tell you, we're like, man, she's really going for it right now. Just anger, just the vengeance of God, the wrath of God, no filter. She turns to um, Noah. gets angry. What? Noah? In the tent, naked? After getting wasted? Naked, his son, Psalm? That's crazy. Noah? David, Noah? Goes to Abraham. 
No joke. It would be as common as her just flipping wherever she wanted. God's showing up. God's showing up. God's showing up. She's getting a message, three-point message too, by the way. She's getting a three-point message. She goes to Abraham. I said, uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> what? Crazy? Abraham? What? His, his wife? He's telling the king it's his sister? What? She's seen this all over. And then she makes this comment. I almost wiped myself out on the floor. And the spirit just laid down because of how God can speak to a kid. She says this, dad is crazy of how the same things that took place in their lives ended up happening in their kids. I'm like, yeah. And then she just gets vengeful. We're working on her. I said, yeah, isn't that wild, honey? Gosh, I feel God's presence right now. I said, is that amazing? I said, yeah. But I said, you know what it takes? One moment, one opportunity, one decision, one generation that decides for me and my house, that's not gonna happen anymore. I said this to her, I said, you know what's amazing when that happens? A new generation rises, that guess what, is holy, that is pure, that fears God, that actually gets into their promised land. Why we need persistent prayer when it comes on this idea is because if something's messed with your grandparent, your aunts, your uncles, and now it comes to you, you're telling me that casual Christianity is gonna break through. I don't think so. Home alone, I don't think so. It's gonna take what? Passion. It's gonna take persistence, y'all. And here's the last thing. It's gonna take some prayer. At New Wave, we have a lot of desires. I'd say if there was two desires, which means God, as it, as it was with Solomon, he says, guess what, Solomon? Because you ask with a pure heart, I'll give you anything you want. If God asked us as the pastors of the church, what would you want? I would say this, God, I wanna be a people with great faith. Great faith. And this, I would wanna do this. I wanna be a people of prayer. I'm not gonna get into the passage. I'm, well, I'll just leave it there. I'm gonna read it. Why do I want that? Because it's just the formula for heaven to be released. You take a faith-filled people, you take now a people that pray, and you lock those things together. It is now the heavens have been opened up, and the heavens are some distant reality out there. It's right here. And when you see this in the scriptures, it's wild that the authors over 1,600 years, over 40 authors, it's the same theme, is that the heaven isn't far, it's actually close. Book of Luke, verses 11 through 1, so my last passage, says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, Jesus praying, okay, stepping over here, when he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, the only thing, guys, that the disciples ever asked for then it could have said, hey, Jesus, you walked on water, that's awesome, can I do that too? Show me how you do that. 
Hey, that blind person over there that you just opened their eyes with spit and mud, how do you do that? It's crazy. How do you do that? Show me how to do that. This is the only request they asked. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I just think this, if we wanna do what Jesus did, we have to do what Jesus did. Jesus prayed. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. I believe prayer should be our first priority, not our last resort. I believe prayer this, we're a praying house here. I don't believe we need to be a distant ministry to pray. We're the local church that prays. Prayer should be this, it become, it's, it's who we are, not what we do. Our prayers, and I love it when I hear the faith and prayer tied together because I listen to people. Because the prayers of the people determine how big their God is. You pray big prayers, guess what? You believe God's big. You pray bold prayers, guess what? You believe that the heavens could be rented and what's up there could be down here. Bold prayers, big prayers, faith-filled prayers. Can we be that type of people right now? Can we stand on your feet right now?